Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And 960, and it's time for Keeping Up with the Cougars. Brought to you by Odeon Menswear. Proudly outfitting young professionals, young adults, boys, and missionaries across the globe with quality suits and apparel. Find a location near you or odeonmenswear.com. Welcome back, Cougar Sports ESPN 960. This is Cougar Country. I'm Ben Criddle, broadcasting live from our Les Schwab Tire Studios, leschwab.com. Head on over to any Les Schwab location. Mention ESPN 960 for VIP products, VIP discounts, VIP service. Check it out today. Uh, this segment, Keeping Up with the Cougars, is going to be brought to you by Odeon Menswear. Odeon, that's a Dion Sanders type of uh, D-I-O-N. That's how it's spelled. Odeon Menswear, odeonmenswear.com. Uh, if you're looking for menswear, churchwear, missionary wear, they have something for all of you, look the best that you can. Always, uh, I, I like what what Brain Day has to say about just looking your best, gives you self esteem. I think it, to a certain extent, it kind of gives you that 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 uh, that confidence to get out there and get things done, whether it's on the mission field, whether it's in business, or uh, just passing the sacrament. You got to look good doing that too. Double D, uh, Bishop Dixon by my side. Go to odeonmenswear.com. Utilize the criddle. Coupon code Criddle20, Criddle20, Criddle20 for $20 off in-store or online. Let's get out to the Bowtown Pub and Grub hotline. Welcome in former BYU great, uh, the quarterback scientist of 3DQB. We've got John Beck on the line. John, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Doing awesome. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. John, how was the holidays? How, how did the holidays treat you? It was good. Busy. Uh, just, you know, Christmas with the boys. Uh, a lot of training, though. A lot of quarterbacks are wanting to train this year. I got to get away only for a little bit and then right back into training. So it, it, it's been a busy one, but a good one. Well, I know you're always staying busy. Uh, it's hard to – it never stops. You know, it, I know it slows down maybe a little bit at times in season. But uh, you're getting to that uh, – you're getting into the, the off season now. Uh, we just watched – some uh, some semifinal games. I know there's a few players that you had your eyes on. Let's start with that. What did you see in these two semifinal games that you liked? And did the committee, in your opinion, get it right? Yeah, I mean, look, super exciting games. I think for everybody that watched the games last night and yesterday, you're saying, man, like those were great games to have the you know the Rose Bowl comes down to an overtime fourth down or you know fourth down, and then to have the the next game come down to the final seconds and you're tossing balls into the end zone to potentially win the game. I mean, super exciting. For me personally, it was big because both the quarterbacks, the quarterback for Michigan and the quarterback for Washington, I've been training those guys for a few years now. So it's really cool to see guys 
guys that I've trained uh, make it to the national championship. I've seen the work that they put in. I know guys on the coaching staff. So it was really cool. But I think, like, look, like, they, they, they had them down as one and two. You know, that's the way they went into the playoffs, saying these are teams one and two, and now we're going into the national championship game with teams one and two. So it seems like they got it right then. I know you didn't come out and say it, but you kind of did. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, look, I know there's all the controversy of the whole Florida State thing and should Alabama have been in and this and that. You know what I mean? Look, and that's controversy that can be talked about forever. But at the end of the day, I think when you see the number one and two teams make it to the championship, you can kind of say, you know what? They, they got it right. They put those two teams down as one and two. Also, it was exciting games. Like, I think we all feel this way. When the college football playoff game is a blowout, and when you're sitting there watching a game third quarter and you're not really paying attention to it because it's not that exciting, fourth quarter the game's not even on anymore, somebody in the house has switched the game to a, something else on TV, like those aren't exciting games to be a part of. Those aren't exciting games to watch. And I think, man, these both of these games came down to the wire. Both of them were exciting. And so to me, like that's what the committee – like. They're supposed to be putting the best teams in the country, but it is going to be an absolute dogfight to win the game. And I think both of those games were absolutely that. John Beck here on ESPN 960. How good are these two quarterbacks that you've trained, uh, you, that uh, you watched, uh, McCarthy, uh, McCarthy and also Penix? How good are these players? I mean, really talented guys. When you look at, uh, you know, sometimes you have a quarterback that may not have all of the tools or be physically extremely gifted in some area, but they're a really smart quarterback. They can make up for some of the things they lack physically for some grit or pure experience or because they just, they're grinders. Like these guys are extremely talented guys and they have those other pieces. Like I was fortunate to be able to be up in Seattle just last week um, when they had some time to put together, they wanted to have some workouts and with Mike and I got to go up there and, spend a couple days and he's an absolute grinder i mean he's a guy that wants to be dialed in he's treating things like a professional while he's in the collegiate game and jj mccarthy's the same like that's a guy that has been really devoted to improving as a quarterback and he's really talented to go along with it. it's a five-star recruit you know coming out of he's from the chicago area but he did his senior year at uh oh my gosh i just blanked at uh, img down in florida i mean these are two big time guys that went out, and, you know, Mike, especially last night, we got to finish that game watching a guy go out and throw for almost 400 yards. I believe it was the second most ever in a semifinal game for the college ball playoff. And so, you know, just the guy made the most of his opportunity, had some some throws that were just some absolute lasers across the field. It was really cool to see. Do you have any player comps for either one of these guys or what their ceiling could be heading into the league in the years to come? Oh my gosh! I think I've said this before on the show. Anytime somebody says, "Can you give a player comp?" I need I it. I time. need the player comp. I need the player I'm comp. I'm sorry, you're gonna have. To, I'm gonna have to give it a different time. I always want good, like enough time to really, truly think about, like, okay, this is what this guy is. I mean, look, there's some things that, like, I would say, JJ McCarthy, arm strength, arm talent. Like, this isn't a guy that like had an amazing NFL career, but when he entered the league, the guy had an arm, like. He does some things that are a little um, – oh, my gosh. And I, I just – crap. I just saw his face. Jake, Jake Cutler. When yeah. Jake Cutler was coming out, some of the things that made Jake Cutler a first-round pick, I see some of that in J.J. I also see, uh, you know, 
like elements of some of the things that I watched Zach Wilson improve on, I've seen JJ strive to make those same improvements. You know, and like the reason why I don't like giving player comps is because people think, oh, well, that's a comp in terms of trajectory. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's a comp in terms of some physical things and the way that they do it. You know, Mike, uh, like I hate to also use a left-handed black quarterback, but Michael Vick, mm-hmm. in terms of how he can body position, just flick the ball into a certain space with just a flick of his arm. If I take a right-handed quarterback, it's Matthew Stafford-esque. There are some things that Michael Penix does that is very Mike Vick, Matt, uh, Matt Stafford. Yeah, Did that's I say that correctly. I, like, Mike Vick, no, Matt Stafford, like yeah, my, you, Matt Stafford, like very much. I see those same things of like I see that and I recognize that, and we train Matt Stafford, so I see some things that Matt does on the field, and then bam, I see those same things from Mike. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, when I say player comp, in my mind, just so that you know, I was thinking some sort of like the smorgasbord hybrid where you can you could pick multiple players and combine them. So I appreciate you this doing this guy's that. arm, this guy's leg. This yeah, yeah, guy's, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, give me the smorgasbord. I love that. Double D, what do you got? Yeah, John, you got to know that Ben likes to throw that out at people just to kind of put them on the spot. That's what I do. It's what he does. It's what what I do best. What what about the training with these particular uh, quarterbacks that are heading in the national championship game now? The mental preparation. What what sort of training or advice or or, uh, just, just kind of how do you have them approach this kind of a game? Well, over the years, I've been able to have some really cool conversations with J.J. McCarthy. He's a really special kid. I think they showed some clips of him here or there pregame, like way pregame. He goes out on the field, he sits at the goalpost, and he, like, meditates. Like, that's been J.J. the entire time I've known him. He is very, very big in the mental, emotional, spiritual side of things, very much wanting to be in a good place as he goes and attacks these things or puts himself in those big games and it's been cool over the years for him to experience some really big games. You know, that, that Michigan-Ohio State rivalry and playing in those games and having an opportunity to talk about what he experiences, how he feels during pregame. Like, both of these guys have these aspects to them of emotionally and mentally where they're able to handle these things really well. Like, Mike is just unflappable. Like, you can kind of see it now. That's not always what is going on on the inside, right? He still has to deal with that human part that everybody has to deal with. And I think you saw it in the Apple Cup where I think at the end of the game, like, man, it's coming down for a field goal to win the game, to beat Washington State, to go undefeated. And, like, he didn't watch the kick. You know, like, he still experiences those human things that everybody experiences. And somebody may say, well, why was that, you know, tough for him to watch that? Like, everything that was on the line, the nerves, like, it's not about not having nerves. It's not about not having the emotions or like somehow that guy doesn't feel pressure. No, like that's, that's not what happens at all. Those guys feel all of those things, but it's what they do to handle all of that. And so it's been really neat to see these guys go through big games, have an opportunity to talk to them here, there about those things, especially JJ, because he's such a young kid. I mean, he's just a, you know, a true sophomore out here playing in these gigantic games. It's cool to see the process that goes into being able to handle those moments. And then you see the emotion of it at the end, right? You, you see the emotion of when it does go well, when they do win, and how much it mattered to all of them. I mean, it's just that's the cool part to me about sports, and they handle it really well. John Beck here on ESPN 960. Let's uh, make a transition. 
I want to talk Keaton Slovis. He got an invite to the East-West Shrine Bowl. I think that's a good uh, pickup for him. What are you hearing about Keaton? Even though his season didn't end like he wanted it to, a little bit of injury, and then wasn't able to make it back into the starting lineup, what are you hearing as far as buzz surrounding Keaton as he uh, prepares for the draft? Well, Keenan's work to get himself back healthy. I mean, it was really unfortunate how that thing played out at the end of the year um, because, you know, there were things that were happening throughout this season that made it really tough on the offense. Uh, it makes it tough on the quarterback. He was trying to play his best through those things, has the injury, tries to do a lot of the right stuff by getting himself as healthy as possible to be able to play there at the end. I mean, look. No, it did not go the way that I would have hoped it could have gone for Keaton. It didn't finish the way I could have hoped it could have gone for Keaton. But Keaton's out here already training for uh, this draft process. Um, most likely he's going to enter the league as an undrafted free agent. He does have an opportunity to go out and go to the East-West Shrine. And I've seen this before. I've seen guys go to a bowl game just like this, an all-star game, perform well, and at the end of the draft, a team wants to make sure they grab a guy that they've had experience with in one of these all-star games. Like, who knows? One of these teams that Keaton plays in this all-star game for could be a team that says, you know what? We want to make sure we get him. He showed really, really well. Let's just go use a draft pick on him. So it's not out of the question. The chances are low. But I tell this to people all the time. It's not about how you enter the league. It's about the situation that you enter in with and how you do in that situation. There's been many guys that have been late picks, undrafted picks. The situation that they land in is far better than what some fourth, fifth, sixth round, or, you know, I mean, any round pick. So I just tell guys, look, it's just can you get your foot in the door. Keenan is healthy, and he's throwing the ball well, and I think he's put himself in a situation like, look, he's got an east-west invite. Like, that's a great thing that he's got that invite. It's going to give him an opportunity to throw for – Every single team that's going to be represented at the Senior Bowl is going to be represented there at the East-West Shrine. And he's going to get a chance to throw for people. And if he can throw the ball the way I know he's capable of doing it and good things can happen, that should be a foot in the door somewhere to get an opportunity to go play in somebody's camp in the offseason and show what he can do. And at the end of the day, that's an opportunity that if you make the most of it can land you somewhere good. Like I I look at Jake Browning. I did Jake Browning's pre-draft. Jake Browning was – just hoping for an opportunity. He spent years on practice squads. He bounced around. He landed in Cincinnati, spent years on their practice squad, and now look at the opportunity he's had. Uh, and so, like, uh, like that can happen for Keenan. He's just got to keep, keep grinding, keep trying, and keep putting his best foot forward. John Beck here on ESPN 960. Let's uh, discuss Jaron Hall. He's had two starts. One started off in Fuego, ended up getting concussed, unfortunately. Gets the start this last week. Uh, not so good uh, this go-around. Uh, he is benched at the half. Give us some perspective here, what Jared Hall's going through, uh, the learning curve of being a NFL quarterback, and, uh, uh, you know, what maybe Jared's future holds there in, uh, in Minnesota. Yeah, well, I'll start with this. The two starts were very different situations. One start, hey, guys are injured, we are playing you, like we're in a bit of a hole because of the injuries and we're going to go on the road to Atlanta to a team. Hey, look, they're not a great team. They've had their struggles. Just go out, like do your thing. We know we're kind of throwing you in. And then like, boom, first drive, you know, he hits a cover two hole shot to a back. Like they're not anticipating a rookie quarterback to make that throw to a running back that's motioned out. Boom. They marches down the field. Oh, this is looking great. 
And also, I guarantee during the week, the message to Jaron was, hey, just play your game, do what you can do, no pressure. We understand the situation. Just go give us what you can give us. Very different situation from this one. This one is, hey, we played Nick Mullins. He did some really good things, but he's turned the ball over. Those turnovers are killing us. We're going to give you an opportunity. Also, it wasn't like a from the get-go. It was during the week, let's have the quarterback split reps, and then let's make a decision. So you minimize the number of reps you get during the week. His first start, he gets all the reps. This start, he splits reps. Then they're going to go in and they're going to, you know, probably let the quarterback know, I bet, a few days before the game, this is who we're going with, maybe on like Thursday or Friday. So also the situation is, hey, playoffs are on the line. It's Sunday night football. We really need you to play well, and we need you to not turn the ball over. And we need you to do all of this with obviously limited reps because you're just a rookie, not a lot of experience. So two completely different scenarios. Um, you know, I felt bad for Jaron because, man, it seemed like once something good would happen, then all of a sudden, like, sack, like something bad would happen. It was this, like, back and forth, back and forth. So, at the end of the day, like, yes, it was an opportunity. No, it didn't go well. It's easy to feel like, oh, crap, like, that just got totally screwed up, but it didn't. Like, yes, it doesn't look good, but every quarterback goes through situations that things don't go great. And, you know, that's just the way that it went for Jaron. I don't think by any means anybody in that building is going, well, that, you know, that right there is the book on Jaron Hall. I mean, I guess we're going to have to go another direction. I don't think they're doing that at all. I think they fully recognize the situation. They fully recognize what was at stake. They were asking a young, inexperienced quarterback to do a lot and to not make mistakes while trying to do a lot. That's tough on anybody. So, you know, I know I've been in those shoes before where you feel like the expectations are really high. You're confident. You put in the work. You've done all you can. You want to see it go good, and it doesn't. I've been in those shoes, but I think for Jaron, it's just all about staying positive, moving forward. You know, this this Vikings team is going to have to figure out a lot of things in the offseason. Who's going to be their starting quarterback? Is Kirk Cousins going to continue to be the guy? What are they going to do behind him? I don't think by any means they're going to take what Jaron's done this year and just write him off. I think he's still got a lot to do for that franchise. The coaches are staying in place. The general manager is staying in place. At the end of the day, having the people that brought you in the building stay in the building is one of the biggest determining factors of what happens for your future. John, I wanted to ask you a question about BYU's quarterback situation. Uh, a few weeks ago when the uh, signing day um, information came out, Aaron Roderick said, we're looking for another quarterback in the portal probably. How does that affect the players who are already in the building competing for that quarterback spot? And, you know, over the course of the years before NIL and before the transfer portal, um, you had kids that would be uh, recruited to come in and compete for a spot. But it's a little different now when you're bringing in experienced players. So for players such as Jake Retzloff and, and Ryder Burton and those guys, how do they approach this when, they're, when their quarterback coach and, and offensive coordinator says, we're still looking at quarterbacks? Well, I think you better get used to it, is what I would tell those guys. Like, welcome to, like, and, like, everybody wanted to make college football more professional by basically bringing in free agency with this transfer portal. So, welcome to professional football. This is, like, this is what it's like. At the end of the day, uh, you got to always fight for everything you're going to earn. There's nothing ever guaranteed. You know, this thing of, like, playing a pretty good season and thinking that you should be guaranteed the starting role because you played okay, 
like, nope, sorry. Like, at all mm-hmm. moments, everybody's looking to bring in the best that they can find. And that's going to be year in and year out. So it's just, it's now asking these college kids to now you're going to have to handle things like a pro. You want to know what a pro mindset has to be like? This is it at all times. And so, you know, that's what it is. Um, there's no longer this thing of, I got to do what I can to be the best guy in the building, like, because basically the building's wide open. So now they're going to be looking anywhere they possibly can to improve. I mean, when you see teams like Ohio State lose one game in a season to Michigan, who's playing in the national championship game, and their quarterback is not returning because the starting position might not be guaranteed and he goes somewhere else, if those type of schools are doing it, you, you know, everybody's going to be doing it. So if I was, like, speaking to all those guys, this is to Jake Retzlaff, this is to Ryder, this is to – Cade, this is to everybody in the building. It's like at the end of the day, you got to do everything you can to be the best quarterback you can be and have the mindset of bring in whoever you want. I'm going to prove to you I'm the best. That's the mindset you have to have. And uh, my guess is going to the transfer portal is going to be something that a lot of teams are finding themselves in quite often because nowadays it's just the musical chairs of quarterbacks. One guy leaves one spot because he thinks it wasn't like the best spot for him or something wasn't guaranteed. And he jumps to a spot of a quarterback that just left that spot because he didn't think it was going to be the best one for him. And he goes to the spot that the other guy left. I mean, that's just what it looks like nowadays. And so you are competing more of what it's like being a professional. It's against everybody. Yeah. To your point, final thing for me, John, before we let you go, appreciate you spending some time with us today. I think under Aaron Roderick, since 2018, they've done a pretty good job of you know recruiting, um, developing, Good quarterbacks. I mean, you looked at, down at the list of guys that have played under Aaron. Um, obviously, Zach and Jaron, but Baylor. Baylor had uh, you know good stats. Was a good football player for BYU. I thought he could have won some football games for BYU uh, in certain situations. Uh, this last year struggled. I think some of that had to do with strength of schedule, lack of continuity uh, across the two deep on the offensive side of the ball. A lot of those transfers came in. Right, there was like too much transfer portal i think on byu side of the ball offensively how do you balance that going forward do you think especially at the quarterback in the quarterback room because once you dip into the portal it always seems like you're continually going to the portal well yeah i mean look i i don't have my hands in all of it but just from the outside i would say if i was based off of the limited information that i know and have seen if i'm a coach right now i probably have to be a little bit like if I have to completely overhaul, meaning how many guys do I bring in and right away are my starters, right away I'm depending on them, that's tough. Like, I think sometimes you have to be able to try to bring some transfer guys in to have a little bit of time to develop because it's about continuity, it's about consistency, it's about chemistry, it's about understanding the system. Like, asking a guy to come in, well, what type of system was he in? How much of that knowledge is going to be transferred and applicable to the system that I'm running? Or are there some things that contradict his learning style based off of what he understands? Well, if he's used to doing this and I'm teaching this, it's going to take some time for him to make that adjustment, right? Like how quickly can players adapt to your system? Can you get them up to speed? And then how can they apply that quickly? Like I think some of the errors that we saw from BYU offensively at the beginning of the season was because guys probably just not having enough time in the system and making some mental errors and making some assignment errors. And you like offensive football, man, if you got one to two guys making mental mistakes, it screws the entire play. So I just think, man, it's got to be 
delicate the balance of how many guys are we bringing in and expecting to contribute and play right away and how many guys are we bringing in and maybe they are like more in like a role style where it's like we're going to use them here or there but we're not totally depending on them this year but we know we have them for the next year and possibly another one like I think that's the balance you have to have because can you imagine being a college coach right now if every single year you're having to do these complete overhauls because you bring in x amount of players they play one season and then they're out again and then think how hard it is if you become a program that's always bringing players on top of the players that are young that are developing you don't want a reputation of the young players never actually develop and make it to the field because they're constantly bringing players on top of them if that happens your recruiting now changes like you have to have a delicate balance of who you bring in and plays and who you develop from the get-go and they play their entire time there is the one position you don't want to dip into the portal offensive line in your opinion or like a lot of offensive linemen i mean it's tough like you could say that about all kinds of positions Mm -hmm. like you don't want a revolving door at any position because I, i think the greatest thing is can you create an environment of consistency, clarity, and continuity with what you're trying to accomplish? Like, it just, it like, it, sometimes it takes time to understand each other. Sometimes it takes time to be on the same page. Sometimes it takes time to create that continuity where the group feels like a group moving forward, not rotating tires all the time. Like, I'm no NASCAR fan, but I know you don't want to be rotating tires after every lap. Like, you want to be gunning it for a while and then rotate some tires. Rotating tires after every lap is not going to win the race. Amen. Hallelujah. My guy, John Beck, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate your time. John, thanks so much for hopping on today. Yeah, you're welcome. I kind of feel like Ricky Bobby right there at the end. Like Dude. I'm like, maybe I should have paid more attention to NASCAR. I mean, I know some things, right? If you're not first, you're last. If you want to drive fast, try driving with a Cougar in the car. I mean, I'm kind of <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> It's completely congruent with a BYU conversation, a Cougar conversation, (laughs) man. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your day, fellas. Appreciate you, John Beck. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll go to break. Coming up next, Jerem Jordan will hop on to discuss his prognostications for BYU basketball Big 12 play. Ken Palm likes some Brigham basketball right now. Even declaring. Now, I know this is all an algorithm, right? This is just a projection here. 13 and 5. 13 wins, 5 losses. Where is where does Cougar Nation stand at this? And where does uh Jerem feel in his eye test? You know, maybe combining some of that objective uh, or that algorithmic data um, as he makes his prognostications. Coming up next, this is Cougar Sports on ESPN 960. 